1: Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are here to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And as always, every week, every time we are on this air, it is our obligation, our responsibility. We have an urgency, a sense of urgency to empowering our listeners, you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do this. The primary way is by calling the number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call if you want to get your thoughts, commentary, uh, dialogue, whatever it is, live on the air. And if you don't want to, but you want to still share your thoughts, you can do that also. Our chat room is open, so you can go to slash zero today and enter the chat room. And we have some people already here in the chat room and looking forward to having a wonderful dialogue with them. Also, um, hit us up um, on our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. And also, uh, what else we got here? <laughs> It uh you can hear, send me an email, Pastor at gmail dot com. You can also uh follow me at Twitter. We also have a new show. Twit uh Twitter is uh Zira Radio. At Zero Radio, so you can follow us at Zero Radio on Twitter. It's cool. I just Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And uh, we're also are developing a web, as we said before, we're developing a website, we're getting that together. Uh, but uh, if you want to catch up with uh latest news, blogs, and things that I write, go to com. We also have another website we're working on for the radio show. So we're kind of expanding our brand a little bit, and we are excited about that. Happy Wednesday to you i hope you're doing well i hope the weather is well where you are it's good here it's a bit on the overcast side but it's good we are days away from good friday and days away from easter or resurrection sunday so we're excited about that matter of fact that's at the bottom mile we're going to be talking about some of the most over-the-top resurrection services easter sunday services that you may have participated in or you may have seen or maybe advertising, you know, churches may be advertising. Now, it always amazes me <laughs> some of the stuff that uh, churches do for attention. Uh, so we're going to talk about that at the bottom of the hour. Why, why the big spectacle? You know, what, what, what's the big deal for Resurrection Sunday? Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about at the bottom of the hour. We've got a couple of things we're going to talk about: preachers of Detroit. We're going to talk about the Indiana bill that's been passed. The uh, the Indiana Freedom of Religion, uh, Restoration Act, or something to that nature. I forgot. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, some other news stories we're going to get into. Uh, it's a packed, packed time, and I hope I can be able to cram all of that in. And I hope you to go in the dialogue and discussion because I want to hear from you because, you know, uh, my mind races. You know, i got a donate ADHD. Come on now. <laughs> but before we go any further, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. We bless you for this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. We ask, O so God, that you would let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord our Rock and our Redeemer. Is our prayer in your name, Amen. All right, so um, I got, like I said today, I got a lot of that I wanted to discuss, and uh, I have. You know, I hope I'll be able to get all of it in. If not, we have some extended time. So, but this has really been an interesting week, um, as far as news. And I, so I'm gonna start off. There's a video that's gone viral, and this one, you know, every now and then I've, I I just find crazy stuff on the internet, and yeah, YouTube never ceases to amaze me. Sometimes. But there's a video of a pastor, an older pastor, who apparently has either had been threatened, or feels threatened, or is threatening someone, and uh, he 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 does something unusual from the, pit, from the pulpit. Now I've seen pastors use the pulpit to get back at preacher, you know, get back at their members. You been in any black church or any church period, you'll find sometimes the sermons aren't not really from God, but they're from an angry pastor <laughs> who wants to make sure that the person that they're targeting in their sermon know that they're upset with them and they're dealing with them yeah, so hey, it is what it is, but there's this preacher um there's there's this preacher who decided that he was going to let people know. Just how how big and bad he is. So he makes a threat. Literally. Makes a threat. About. uh, To kill someone. From the the pulpit. Uh, The bishop is. Presiding bishop Jeremiah Reed. uh, And he is the. Presiding bishop of Christ's. Apostolic temple. um, In Des Moines Iowa. And he's the leader of the christ apostolic temple fellowship and during their convocation or convention or whatever it was just a little over a week ago he decided to let people know who was who was out to get or who he believed was out to get them get him he decided to let them know that uh he 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 got people he know people he, he got people everywhere he could hunt you down and put you in the river or whatever, but anyway, here here is what the good bishop said. I'm play this clip. This is about three little over three minutes long, so just and he talks so soft, but listen to the threats that he makes from the pulpit. Come
2: on up. They like ministry. You good, heavy? We got telephone calls. What? I am holding folks back. Ain't nobody that big in the world that cannot be hunted down. And I can't focus hunting. And put you in the cornfield, or drop you in the river, with a weight on you, I cut your tongue out and leave it on your chest. That's the kind of connection that I have. And I want them to know I'm not a playboy. You put your wrong budget. There, my stand up. Here's my two My oldest sister. daughter. And that was some telephone calls made that I knew about. calling this city and talk to a hit man and they brought me his picture and address the next day here and he ain't fit to live he said
1: he didn't believe in the God and the Bible. He was God. When his mama died, he cursed God and shot down. I didn't have that much sense in All right, so that's the good bishop entering. I didn't want to go because he 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 gets a little boring. <laughs> but if you heard what he said, if you, if you listened to what he said, uh, there was two things that he did. First, he he, he said, look, uh, I can hunt you down. I got connections that can cut you up, throw you in the river, <laughs> cut out your tongue. And then in the second thing, he, he addressed, you know, indirectly addressed who the person was. It, 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 it sounded as if he was making a threat to one of his relatives. Uh, and they apparently put out a hit on him, and, and he's retaliating by saying he could put a a hit on them. it's crazy. I, I You know, but the preacher has to look big and bad. And it was, I I was just amazed people saying amen, yeah, and, you know, just, I'm like, are you listening to what he's saying? But then again, Jesus did say it, Jesus did say in the scripture that if, if a person, well offended a child? He should tie a millstone around his neck and jump into the river. Also, so hey, it is. Here's another story that kind of disturbed me, and it disturbed me because um, one, whenever pastors do bad, it you know it kind of affects all of us. But here, you have a pastor, a Canadian pastor, Canadian Ghana from Canada, uh named prophet Isaiah Ad- Adusa. And uh, though he's a resident of United Kingdom, he pastors a church in Ghana and apparently has dual citizenship between uh, the United Kingdom and Ghana. But uh, his wife is British. And so they were uh, vacationing or they were doing something um, and she comes up missing. Now, his wife is British. Uh, you can go to the old black church uh, website. And you you see the story. It's kind of disturbing. But anyway, she was pregnant. She's missing. And he, the good pastor, has been charged and arrested and charged with her murder. The guy has killed his own wife, allegedly killed his own wife, his pregnant wife. As she's white. He's black. I'ma leave it at that. It's just a sad story, and the you know, I I I cannot fathom committing any type of abuse toward a woman, a uh, physical and you know, I I can't fathom and then to go so far as to uh, allegedly kill. And there are several reasons as to the alleged reason as to why he may he is implicated in the murder. Is one involved money? The two involved infidelity. Uh, of course, you probably saw that one coming. And um, I think the other involved the church. I, I, crazy when you have pastors killing their own spouses. But then, then again, Africans have their own. They have their own thing with Christianity. You know, they they always. And I'm being very generalized when I talk about the Africans. Because particularly the Ghanaians and the Nigerians, those Nigerian pastors, they're off the chain. That's all I'm going to say about that. Those dudes, uh, uh, out of the ten wealthiest preachers in the world, at least five of them are from Nigeria. And each worth, you know, in the double-digit millions. So, hey. (sighs) Wow. Okay, I got one more news story and then I'm gonna stop banging my head against the wall with this stuff. So uh everybody is familiar well if you're familiar with Destiny's Child, you're familiar with with the group Beyonce, uh what's her name no, the uh Beyonce, Kelly Rowland and uh Michelle Williams, right? And uh so they're, they're they are Destiny's Child. They reunited again to perform for a very special occasion. And that occasion was not the Grammys, was not the American Music Awards, was not the I Radio Music Awards, was not the Kids' Choice Awards or the People's Choice Awards. It was the Stella Awards. Now, if you're not familiar with the Stella Awards, the Stella Awards is the premier Gospel Music Industry Award, sir. You know, thing. That that's it. You aspire as a gospel musician. You aspire to win or be nominated for Stellar. Started about thirty years ago uh, with the late James Cleveland and many others who panned together to recognize those successful gospel artists at that time. And you know, it's become a multi it's become just as grand as, you know, the, the Dove Awards, which is the, the Christian contemporary Christian music counterpart, and you know, Soul Train Awards, which is the uh R and B counterpart to the Stellars. Uh and so this group, Destiny's Child, reunited to perform on the gospel Award show. And, and, you know, so many people were like, oh, my God, yay, they're getting back together. And they sang Michelle Williams' song, If Jesus Say Yes, uh, Nobody Can Say No. And as a popular song that she popularized here in the States. But it's been very popular in the Caribbean and the African, uh, many countries in Africa for decades. Okay, it's nothing. it's not a new song. It's just new to the States because, you know, she sang it. But uh, uh, you know, we were singing. Uh, not we, but uh, you know, I heard it several times, several years ago, and um, from an African delegation at at our, one of our uh, journal conferences. And and again, it's not it's not a it's not a new song. It's just new to the states, and, and really not new to the states. It's just new to her audience, you know. And it's simple song. It's really catchy, and you know. Yeah, it's not scriptural, but <laughs> but hey, it's popular. So they reunited to have together to sing that song. You had Beyonce, you had Michelle Williams, and Kelly Rowland. Now, here's my problem with this, and this is my biggest problem. I know you might get mad at me, but here's the thing. They have never, ever, as a group, recorded anything gospel. Michelle Williams is the only one who has any sense of a gospel music career because she was singing gospel before she joined uh, Destiny's Child. She maintained that she was still saved and sanctified while being a member of Destiny's Child. And once Destiny's Child dissolved, she embarked on her own gospel music career and she was embraced by the gospel music industry because she was a celebrity you know she was a secular celebrity i don't know why gospel folk black folk church folk like this idea you know so the secular celebrities kind of give when they come over to the church they give a sense of you know validation for some reason i don't know why and i've had you know, even me I've, I've been touched by that infirmity <laughs> Coming in the midst of a celebrity or who comes to your congregation, or you happen to have some type of a you know acquaintance with, or you know some type of connection, you you get this sense of validation. Yes, yes, I am better now because of this association or that association. But the problem is, it sends a very, very uh, conflicting message. Because think about it. Now you have Beyonce. And Beyonce, she has her own empire, and ain't nothing saved about it. Absolutely nothing saved about Beyonce. Y'all could argue that she loved the Lord. I, I can't say whether she loved the Lord or not, but I'm just saying from the outward appearance and her performances, her music, and the videos, there ain't nothing saved about <laughs> Beyonce. I know people are going to be mad at me, but oh well. That's just what it is. It is what it is. Kelly Rowland, also same thing you know she's she has enjoyed a secular life, secular recording, a life you know uh post destiny's child, and Michelle Williams is the only one who is given the semblance of trying to be sanctified, saved, and all that other stuff, and so her sisters her sisters come and join us, her, her for their performance of her song, which she did win a stellar for. And congratulations to her for winning a stellar. But here's the thing, you know. How can the gospel music industry call itself gospel when it's not, and when it's putting forth people like Beyonce or Kelly Rowland against the very thing that we are called to preach? You know, they don't present the gospel. I can't say whether they're saved or not, but I'm just saying musically it does not reflect a relationship with the Lord, I'm just saying it does not reflect a relationship with the Lord, their music, their lifestyle, and yes, you can give back, and that doesn't just because you give back does not mean that you love the Lord. that just means you have a sense of community or you know some sense of obligation to do so. That's all that means. You disagree with me, fine, call me. Three four seven three two seven two three seven five two three zero. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But the reality is by by doing this, by having Destiny's Child as you know, performing on a gospel award show sends a very clear message, missed uh deceptive message that uh that church folk seeming don't care about anymore. Gospel is no different. Gospel music is no different from any other music. And I've been saying that for a while. You know I've been saying that for a mile, for a while because think about it, for the last thirty five years or so, as gospel music has become more mainstream, particularly in the last quarter of a century, since Kurt Franklin, um Kurt Franklin, Dietrich Hadney, these guys incorporated more contemporary grooves and sounds and things of that nature and less gospel oriented kind of thing the traditional choir everything you know uh it became secularized and if you go to most churches now i watched a video the other day of a church and i mean the musicians were on point i mean they were just in the pocket everything was good and then the next thing you know they get in this groove and they start bobbing their heads and and apparently that was a a a a a you know that was the thing for that particular song and the camera pans around and you see all these young people doing the same bobbing their head like they had a heavy metal concert and i'm like oh my goodness and and here's how you differentiate because i'm a musician and because i play because uh you know my background my training is in music as a music educator I played various- you know I played jazz, played classical, played gospel i you know, the gamut I run the gamut of it and, you know for some years that was my only income playing professionally and whoever paid is how, who i paid played for you know <laughs> if the pay was good, I'm gonna play so one Sunday I'm at the episcopal church next sunday i uh or next week I'm in the jazz club yeah you know, yeah you know, but the infusion uh uh what makes it hard to differentiate between the world and the church is when when you have things like this because you have people who are clearly unrepentant they're not trying to change they're not trying to adopt to the image of the church they're not trying to portray an image of holiness they're not they're not trying to do it so what do they have to do
3: now,
1: you know, the church is not calling them out. You know, 40 years ago, they would have been called out like, no, sir, no, ma'am, you ain't going to be there. But now it's a badge of honor to have these kinds of things happen. Same thing in the church, you know. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. I I need to take a quick break because I went way over with that segment. I didn't intend to go that far over in the time and i'm gonna have to make up for it in later on but i sure would love to hear your thoughts about this because it, it, it. you know i don't want to send a mixed message and i don't want i want to be clear in differentiating how we as church folk should should be receptive you know we can we can admire we can listen to secular music but when it comes to the gospel we have to be clear we have to delineate look i know y'all popular And I know she was part of this group, but we can't allow, particularly, you know, when you have, you know, like Beyonce. We can't allow you, Beyonce, to do this this show because you're sending a conflicting message to what we're trying to say. Because you're doing a show, the Stella Awards Gospel Night, and then you're going to turn right around and, you know, do your grinding, dance, or whatever. I don't know what her music is, so I, I really, I'm not able to really articulate, you know. 'Cause I don't listen. I just you know, I am a jazz band, personally. I barely listen to gospel music yet. But that's neither here nor there. Let let me take a quick break. I rambled long enough. Take a quick break and then, when we get back into the break, we're gonna talk about preachers of Detroit, the Indiana um religious freedom restoration law that was signed by Governor Pence and uh Over the Top Resurrection Services. Reverse Direction Sunday Services. So yeah, there's a lot going on, and we're going to hopefully try to get as much in as we can uh, while the time allows. But uh, if we go over time, it'll be all right. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: And the great outdoors, we make a great pair Right, totally Uh,
1: That's what I was thinking
3: All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings Multi-policy discounts from Progressive Call or click today
1: Bishop Sam Green And the 12th Episcopal District Of the African Methodist Episcopal Church Invites you to first holy convocation april 8th through the 11th 2015 at the little rock marriott and state house convention center in little rock arkansas this is doing church differently come and be blessed as you have access to a number of workshops and preachers including bishop paul Morton senior pastor john k jenkins pastor Dr. Lance Watson, Pastor Jamal Bryant, Bishop John R. Bryant, Pastor Matthew Watley, and many many others, come and be blessed. At the 12th Episcopal District Mid-Year Convocation, God First Holy Convocation, April the 8th through the 11th, 2015 at the Little Rock Marriott and State House Convention Center. Bishop Samuel Green and the 12th Episcopal District wants to see your face in the place. You come and you will be blessed. You can register online by simply visiting www12 thdistrict a-M-E dot org. That's 1-2-T-H district A-M-E dot org. Go ahead and register today for a God-first holy convocation. You will be blessed as we do church differently.
0: How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through incomeathome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people, like Karen, who needs to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday. And with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rent race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit Incomeathome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000.
1: All right, welcome back to Zero Day again. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and uh, we're glad to be here again. And we're glad that you are joining with us. Uh, in the last segment, I, I went over my time, but, you know, I tried to cover it. it was a lot, <laughs> and then, there was so much more that I wanted to get to, but I just didn't get to it, and I really need to get into the the bulk of what I want to talk about. So there have so been some interesting things happen, and I'm not sure if you've been watching this new show, Preachers of Detroit. Of course, Preachers of Detroit is a spinoff of Preachers of L.A., and those of you who can't get enough of those preachers, there's a coming Preachers of Atlanta that should be airing uh, later on this year or next year. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> i I, I said I would not watch the show, but I have, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing so many people. It's like they watch Empire, they watch Scandal, and you know, they're pushing it on their first Facebook page. I'm like, okay, let me see what this is about. Uh so I I I couldn't sleep. So what I did, I turned on YouTube and I'm watching I pull up all the episodes all the most recent episodes up to uh last week. Uh Preachers of Detroit. It has an interesting cast. Um uh, Bishop Charles Ellis, uh Bishop Langston, uh, a young man named uh Bullock. Um uh was Daniel Bullock, I think that's his name. Uh uh uh, a white guy, there's several preachers, and, and you have to check them out. I can't, I can't. Uh, but the white guy, uh, Pastor Eldris, I think that's his name, um, has been, he's 50 years old, and uh, David Alexander Bullock is the name of the guy, so uh, the other Uh He's 50 years old, and he's a virgin. Says he, His claim is that he has been abstinent all his life. He's never even kissed a woman. Uh, yo, wow! That's all I'ma say on that one. But anyway, Preachers of L.A. also features two women, Dorinda Clark Cole, who is uh, who who's gained fame as being a member of the Clark Sisters gospel group from the 80s, and you know that 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 group, and Bishop coletta Vaughn, um, who is the pastor of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Full Gospel Baptist Church, or I think that's the name, but she's also an or uh a bishop with the Full Gospel Baptist uh church and some other organization. I've forgotten what it is. But anyway, so I I, I watched the show and I found interesting dynamics in the church, in the in on the show. Between the pastors, because you have two who are uh if they are wealthy well they are wealthy preachers had bentley's uh lived in the suburbs uh the other pastor uh one uh uh, five i can't think of this guy's name Um, he has children shelby five um they they you know passed the church but anyway it's an interesting dynamic because uh the the bullet character uh who is a pastor at baptist church is also considered you know he's He's the instigator apparently of the show. Uh, he's the renegade. He's the one that starts the arguments, uh, creates the static for the show, the drama for the show. And uh, uh, he he he's an activist. He's a pastor. He's a singer, and he you know he promotes himself. Uh, and so they're engaging in dialogue, and and he he is the he's the one that ignites the flame for the conflict, but. Aside from that there's also been an interesting uh subplot with the women. And that that caught my attention. The women, uh Bishop Coletta Vaughn talking about, you know, the 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 expanding role of women in ministry and, and I've had you know, I've talked about this and I'm scheduled to have someone else come on to the show. We could talk more about women bishops. Uh but she you know, she she she, she is promoting this this idea of, of women and you know having greater roles because now she's a bishop and and how 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 hard it is for men to respect her as in in her office as a bishop and as a pastor and then uh, you know I'm, I'm watching in this this bombshell between Bishop Vaughn and her husband. She admits that she and her husband have been living apart for the last ten or eleven years, literally. He lives in a whole other state. And he, he, you know, it it may be questioned, you know, the credibility and sincerity of her, whether she had authentic love for him, and she may do. She may have that. Yet at the same time, her concern, and she voices this throughout the the show, she voices the fact that uh, her ministry is more important than her marriage, that the call of God on her life, is more important than uh, being married, and you know I have a problem with that personally. You know, having I'm a divorced man. When I was married, my ex-wife w- was in ministry with me. She was an ordained in- minister. Uh, we shared a ministry together, and one of the biggest things that we had, the biggest conflict we had, was always around ministry. You know, I I I I fought to get her license. I you know I, I left. My denomination I was in so that she could be affirmed in a denomination that would recognize a ministry. I did that. And only to for her to get around women who pastored uh churches that were not, you know, we're Methodists, so you know, they were not Methodist churches, they weren't they were non denominational churches or apostolic and which is was her background. Pentecostal apostolic was her background. And these women were saying that she didn't have to submit to to me as her husband. Because she was a pastor, and, and she pastored a church that I had previously pastored. I had been assigned there, and once I was moved uh, to another church a couple of years later, she was appointed to that church. Same members. She was there when I built the church up from five people to 20, <laughs> and she was benefiting from that. You know, she was there when I was getting $25 a Sunday. That was my salary. By the time she got there, it was about to a hundred. <laughs> And she's been in but these these women were planning in her 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 mind that you know she was on equal grounds with me and we we had the biggest conflict that was the biggest conflict uh was was the ground you know uh what was the boundaries for ministry for both of us Now I was very supportive of her and I expected her to be supportive of me uh I'll never forget one conflict we had. Was she had she had the opportunity to preach at one of our uh, district meetings, which is a big thing for a young preacher. And I said, "Girl, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. I'm glad for you." But she mistook that as me literally being jealous, and that hurt. And that created a schism that that was almost irreparable. And and you know it led to the, the dissolution of our marriage. And it took me years uh, to get over that. And so uh, it presents this dilemma of particularly for Bishop Vaughn and other women who are in ministry, whose husbands may not be in ministry. We're used to men having wives who are not actively engaged in ministry. You know, I've been to a lot of churches where the first lady barely show up. (laughs) The, The pastor's there, first lady barely show up. And, you know, it doesn't hurt their ministry at all. It doesn't affect them at all. Uh, you know, there's a trend now over the last uh two decades that's become popular where there are team ministry, husband and wife are in ministry together. And um I never forget when my when I, uh when my wife and I when we um came to the African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh we joined under one bishop and uh he ended up being retired that year. Uh not not retired, he was he was moved. Uh he was appointed from we were in the 12th district in Arkansas, and Oklahoma, and uh, so when the new bishop came, followed him, he pulled my wife and a couple others, uh, my godfather and his wife, and there was another couple who were in ministry together. And he put us to the side and he said, I don't believe in team ministry, and I'm not going to point you to the same church, you know, and, and he did. We uh for the first year and a half my wife and I were in ministry together but then uh as she got further through our process coordination, you know, she was she had her own place. And <laughs> that probably contributed. But there's a trend where more and more couples are sharing in ministry together. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I, if I get married I'd love to have that. I think that'd be wonderful. I'm not you know, I'm not that's ideal, but I you know it can also be a big headache. But anyway. So t- you know, I'd like to know what you think about that. How 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 should a woman who is in ministry, how should she interact with her husband? Uh, and if you watch the episode, the reason that her uh, Bishop Vaughn's husband is is not staying with her is because he 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 attests to the fact that. When he married her, he knew she was a preacher. He knew what he was getting into. But at the same time, she spent more time ignoring him for her ministry. He stated that they went to Africa one time. And the whole time that they were in Africa, she barely acknowledged him. And so he feels that he supported her and he never got the chance to do what he wants to do. And they've been married almost 30 years now. And so this way he gets to do what he does. You know, and who knows if he has a side chick on the side or whatever in North Carolina. But it, I just thought it's strange. And, again, this shows like this. The reality shows like this. Send a conflicting message to uh, the viewers in the church. And, I, again, I'm not trying to idealize the reality of people's circumstances. Um, But the, the reality is uh you present this message, you present this image of a loving uh loving couple in reality, that's not the case uh with Bullock <laughs> Bullock is a character uh Bullock had one of the preachers on to talk to his church about abstinence and uh of course he said that you know he promotes abstinence he thinks that's uh uh to be that would be one of the turning points in the world if people could you know the young people could received the message of abstinence so this guy preaches or teaches on abstinence and bullock interrupts him and says brother that's good what you said but he said if you're going to be in the airplane you need to have a parachute so after this one preacher started talking about abstinence bullock starts passing out condoms in the church yeah you heard me right he passes out condoms in the church and i'm like wow and bullock is single so i mean and i can i identify with the single brother i really do Uh, but i can't you know uh maybe i'm missing it if you have thoughts let me know uh let me know what you want to think what you want to say if you have comments on that uh i'm 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 running out of time so i want to get to this indiana law and of course uh talk about these over the top uh Easter service if we get to it <laughs> but i'd love to hear your thoughts about that uh you know what if you found out that your pastor uh if she's a male if she's a female had a relationship like bishop Vaughn and her husband or what did you do if your pastor uh did not promote you know abstinence or anything like that how, or do you think he should or she should or how they should be you know teaching sexual purity abstinence I, I i personally i think it's a good idea i i was not abstinent i'm not gonna lie since i've been divorced i wish i could say i, I have been sexually pure but that'd be a lie too <laughs> lord knows i'd be lying and and in my ministry I, I try to be as transparent as i can to promote that the fact that you know yeah the lord knows your heart but you need to put in the effort at least you know to try to stay pure you don't jump into bed with any and everybody uh Try to do your best to, if you're going to be involved romantically, uh, intimately with someone that, it'd be, you know, it's it's worth it.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know. I'll try to talk about that later. Maybe i get somebody else on that. I'm evolving in an that area. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. If you want to share, simply call 347-237-5230 or uh, sit in the chat line. In the chat room or uh, on the Facebook page, Zero Network, or however you want to do it, we'd love to hear your feedback back then. So let's get into this Indiana law. Because I'm pressed for time here. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Indiana law, uh, which is Indiana Bill, Senate Bill 101, which is called the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act a law. I wrote about this, and and I'm 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 trying to pull it up on my um uh, my blog site that I wrote about. This is a trend, and it's a very scary trend to me. Uh, I understand, and I was talking to a friend just before I got onto the show. Uh, just before we got on the show, I was talking to a friend about this. Um. This bill and the one that's being uh, put forth in Arkansas, the one that was passed just a year ago here in the state of Mississippi, signed into law by our governor, uh, the one that was similar to what was vetoed in Arizona by Arizona Governor Jan Brewer, uh, things of that nature. So I, I think it's as many as 22 or 32 states have a similar law and the law is all about it's all about under the guise of protecting religious freedom saying that business owners have the right or should have the right to decline the services to decline services to those who they believe will be infringing on their individual religious li- rights now this all comes into uh, play, you know, you had the Hobby Lobby deal with ruling with regarding, um, you know, the Affordable Care Act and the contraceptive part about that, and Hobby Lobby won, um, and so they 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 set the they set in motion these individual states and legislatures to provide this crazy bill and those like it now i'm I'm, I'm, the bill in it of itself states uh as i said before that the uh, the businesses should be able to discriminate and yes that word is proper because this is that's what it is they should be able to discriminate on whom they choose to serve it comes in light of if you're not fam- familiar, in uh, Oregon, there was a, a, a couple who owned a bakery, and there was also one in England had the same issue, where a same-sex couple came to them to make their cake for their service. And the ba- the bakers refused. And because the bakers refused, it um, set in motion a lawsuit in which the uh Bakers lost. The plaintiffs won and they you know, they the court said you can't discriminate because of such. In some ways in some ways this bill is I won't say it's necessary. I don't think it should have been put a bill in, but uh it, it is it is kind of kind of raising an awareness of some some factions of the LGBT or whatever they call community, that will intentionally go to Christian churches, Christian, or those that call themselves professed openly uh, Christian-oriented, and ask for service, knowing that they would get a no. And so they felt that they had to protect the churches. They felt they had to protect the individual business proprietors. And even themselves, legislatures, from what they felt as a threat, and which is what they did. However, the reality is, is that this is more about intolerance than tolerance on both sides. If you go to my, uh, you go to com you'll find the, the latest there. Um, the crossword, the latest article I did, crossroads of this is Indiana. Because it presents two unique, uh, well, not two, but a unique perspective because Indiana is viewed as a friendly state. You have a number of, of the NCAA and a number of other organizations that are headquartered there who, upon hearing this, said, no, this is reflecting bad on our service. And we had to be clear that we're not discriminating and all this stuff. And and, and that was noble move and everything. But the reality is that while it was created to protect the religious freedom of business owners, churches, and other religious organizations you know or organizations, it also enhances discrimination against the causes for Christians, communities, and the like. It really boils down to you know tolerance and intolerance. If you ask the, if you ask the average person. They tell you they're not bigots, they're not racial races, they're you know, they're not homophobic, but the reality is if presented with situations that directly challenge their concept of the same, they would act against what they they would be anti, you know. And in all fairness, you know uh evangelical Christians are Increasingly gaining a sense of loss of identity white males white protestant you know the church is diversifying. America is a pluralistic society and you know we, we that's one of the things we laud as a country. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal, all opportunities available, blah blah blah. Right right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and whatever that means and however it has been interpreted over the last two hundred years, uh, is reflected in our culture today. The problem comes when uh when you have a sense of a loss, identity, you do all you can to try to protect that, and that's what they're doing. And it's doing more hurt than harm. Because now they're coming across as the very thing they're trying not to be. They're saying they're not bigots. They're saying they're not racist. They're saying they're not homophobic. They're saying all of this, yet they actually reflect the very, the very opposite. To my brothers and sisters who are counter-argue that yeah, they need to stand up for their religious beliefs, the question is, how far would they go? Now think about this. Think about how far would they go. Because it was under the same guise that jim crow laws were created and sustained for decades these nice god-fearing god-loving christians created laws that intentionally separated people just because of skin color there are still laws on the book in some southern states against interracial marriage (laughs) seriously there's one university that's still here in the South that still forbids interracial dating. And that just ain't black and white. That's Oriental, you know, Asian and white, Asian and black, you know, stay in your own race, in your own lane kind of thing. And it's sad that here we are in 2015, that things like that still exist. And those, those persons who maintain those are, are supposedly driven by their Christian values. And those Christian values can morph into something that is very much anti-Christ, anti-Christian, against Christ, against the love of God. Because the, the summary of all of the commandments of God is in one phrase. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's hard sometimes for us to remove ourselves and try to see and empathize sympathize with someone else who is different from us. I find it, you know, as a pastor, it's it's hard to do. Uh, When I was in chaplain ministry, it it was the most challenging thing to do to engage those who were not like me, those who were not necessarily of faith. And yet they still wanted somebody to come and comfort them. They didn't want me to pray for them. They didn't want me to to lay hands. They simply wanted my presence there as a chaplain, to give them a sense of hope, to give them a sense of a community, a belonging, that even though they didn't believe in God, they knew that there was somebody here who cared for them. The way a lot of stuff that I was wrestling with regarding to the faith. But I like like to believe that the people in Indiana were really sincere. The legislators in Indiana in Arkansas, here in Mississippi. And I've talked with some of the legislators here in Mississippi regarding this issue. And while they're adamant that they're trying to protect the rights of these people, these businesses and things of that nature, we still have private prisons here in Mississippi, for-profit prisons, that are incarcerating black men, black women, uh, even young white, you know, poor white males, poor white females, Hispanics. And and and, and the, they're not treating them equally. They're not preparing them for to be uh, put back into society. You know they're not ready to get back into society. No, they're locking them up and finding cre- creating more ways to for them to create infringements for themselves to keep them there. And I know that sounds hard and mean, but that's just the reality. Not only that is Louisiana and other states. See, the biggest problem about the South, and I can speak from the South because I've been in the South all of my life. You know, I've gotten out every now and then, but born and raised in the South, fully integrated into Southern culture, Southern religion, the Southern re- Christian religious experience. And reality is that we are afraid of anything that's different from what we are. Now, the easiest thing to do when you're afraid of something is to fight against it. That's the easiest thing. The hardest thing is to adapt. So this law basically saying we're not we're not willing to adapt to the changing culture. We're not willing to see how things are happening now. uh you know, compared to back in the good old days, because the good old days really weren't the good old days. It was the good old days for the good white folk. Some of the good white folks, but for most persons it wasn't good because there were oppressed people that were being ignored, overlooked, and undervalued. And if we're not careful, we'll uh we'll create a same a similar trend. Now, I can't admit this. There's some within that that community, the L G B T Q I G Y whatever it is. <laughs> There's some within that community that are simply on a political high, power high, it's going to be there. Where they're going to force their agenda, and they're doing it subtly. They're doing it very subtly. You know, I, 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 like I said, I watched Scandal. I watched this other show on ABC called uh, How to Get Away with Murder, and I was I, I was appalled by normal lies. You know, the sexual scenes were between the both male and female and. And uh, they had some gay scene sex between two men. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I should have seen it coming because they're trying to be as inclusive as possible. The problem is you can't be inclusive in the church. You're fighting against a church that is, uh, for example, and this goes back to the argument of fundamentalist versus liberal. And that argument has been going on for the last 100, uh, 200 years in the liberal progressive branch of Christianity and the evangelical fundamentalist uh, Protestant branch, uh, uh, conservative branch of Christianity. These factions have been going at it back and forth for at least a 100 years, at least, at the very least. And you still see traces of that as, you know, for example, more recently with the uh Presbyterian Presbyterian Church here, uh Presbyterian Church of the USA, as they have not only have they recognized uh same-sex unions, but they are now uh empowering their their their, their clergy to perform and they uh most recently two lesbian women were both ordained as Presbyterian ministers. And there are those who would tell you, uh, on the more liberal end of Christianity, that it's their cause that Jesus would fight for such a thing, and we don't know because when you read the scripture you find Jesus encountering a woman uh, who had been married five times, four times, or five times. Like you know, uh, she had been married at least four times, and what the current one, the current husband, guy she was with, wasn't hers. She was cohabitating, and then also the woman. Who was called in the act of adultery and he said where you're where those who were ready to stone you they are gone well i don't find and condemn you go and sin no more you know so we can't say what jesus would say now we can't force interpretations of scripture or actions or implications we can't do that but what we can do is be loving And demonstrate the love of God. The love of God, the scripture says, will cover a multitude of faults. Didn't say habits, didn't say behaviors, just says faults. We can't change people's behaviors and we can't change those who believe that they were born this way or that way or those who, you know, we can't change that. We can't fight and we shouldn't fight against it, but we should love. Now, how does that love become intolerant? Well, That's a whole different discussion. Our responsibility is to love God first, to love ourselves, and to love others. And sometimes being tolerant of things that we don't like is involved in that. Not all the time, but sometimes. So what are we to do about that? There would never be an authentic answer to that because you can't directly answer that question. So, to those of you who are in those states, Indiana, Arkansas, and I know I got somebody listening from Arkansas. I want to hear your voice, but you ain't got to talk. I ain't going to say nothing. You ain't got to talk. I'm just dropping a hint, hint, hint. No, No, but to those, you know, you are the one who empower your legislatures to act. So, if you're against it right, don't just complain Go to your legislator. Call your legislator. Call your governor. Governor Beebe, he, he, you know, he doesn't want to be put to shame like Governor Pence was. I can tell you right now, Governor Beebe in Arkansas does not want to be put to shame. Like <laughs> he doesn't want to go through that same firestorm. He, 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 You know, he's more on the moderate end anyway, as far as conservatives. But you know, you need to let your voice. Ah, there you go. Hold on. Okay. Go ahead, with your comment. Hi, how you doing, Pastor Neil? Uh-huh, I'm good. I told you I was going to get you. Go ahead. Listen, first of all, I got to correct you. The governor of Arkansas
3: is Asa Hutchinson.
1: That's right. I forgot Asa Hutchinson got elected. Duh.
3: And, Thank you. and then also, just recently, he vetoed the bill. He vetoed that bill you talking about. Mm-hmm. Hello? He just yeah. vetoed. It. it just been announced. He oh. said they need to do more more research in it, and his son has said,
1: "Daddy, you need to veto that." Yeah, Asa, it yeah, Hudson is a good man, and I, you know, I'm kind of I I I'm glad that he he if it's report, I have to look into that. Uh, if he did veto it, that is again, he's one of those moderate and conservatives also. So you know, he he. That's a good act. again, but he wouldn't want to be put to shame like Governor Pennsylvania. I I can guarantee you. Yeah, you know, he didn't want that shame on the state. Yeah, and see where I look at it of religious belief, just like you were saying,
3: I disagree with it because it can not, not only discriminate against gays, it's other things that it can discriminate against, like for instance, single parents. If you're a single mom and they find out about it and this business find out about it, they have the right to not serve you because you're a single mom, or things of that nature. That's what I look at, especially being a single mom myself. Because in the Bible, you know, um, you're supposed to save yourself, like you said on that show about um, the choice. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to practice abstinence. And I got my sins just like everybody else, but like I said, it's different things and different strokes of different folks, and everybody Interpret the Bible in different ways, but like I said, it'll become Jim Crow all around the south, all around here again.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the issue uh, that they're they're not seeing in the broader perspective. and, And you know, we can't be so short sighted, even as Christians, as pastors, particularly, we can't be so short sighted that we, you know, we just always on the attack. And that's part of the problem that the church has had to the last, you know, at least the last quarter, half of the century. We've always have to be, we've been on the attack. You know, the 20th century is all about sending people to hell. You know, scaring them into Mm -hmm. heaven. And and not not putting forth the love of God. Now, the love of God has, go ahead. I was always taught, everybody, don't judge
3: anybody. It's for God to judge. And I think, I mean, it shouldn't, I mean, be any law that protects anybody in reform. I mean, it should be to an extent, like, I think it should be, period. I'm going to leave it as that. Because, I mean, you have um, different religions, different beliefs, and all that good stuff, but it is what it is
1: indeed so but you know it, it takes time to build trust of people Once things like this has happened um it takes time for people to understand the girth of the argument we we all want do not want our religious freedom to be infringed on and in reality they're they're not being infringed on you know there there's there's a louder voice but there's no infringement, there's nobody saying that you can't have church, there's nobody saying that your church is gonna be, you know, closed because you share this you have this particular view or anything like that. That's not happening. But the fear propagated by the media and by preachers who, who believe wholeheartedly that they're right and everyone else is wrong, that's that's part of the problem. And we need to work to correct that. Yes we do. Yes, All right.
3: People. You have a good day.
1: All right, thank you for your call. Glad you You're did. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, so now you know that that is what it is, and it's going to be what it is. So I'm going to get into this last. I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back to the break, I got a few minutes, and we're going to talk about some of the over the top, uh, <laughs> some of the over the top uh, resurrection services. Uh, or uh, uh, church services, uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we going to, you know, the speeches and all of that stuff. But I'd love to hear from you about that. Maybe you want to share your favorite little Easter speech or something. Maybe you want to share that memory, whatever it is. I'm going to give you the opportunity. Be right back. Nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by hecentric is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan, hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Hecentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not be disappointed when you order your candle today from Hecentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com. And while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you. You will love both. Peacock by he-centric, reflecting the glory in everyday life.
0: Today we stand against the tyranny of single-mile credit cards. Battle speech, right? Mm -hmm. May I? For too long, people have settled for single miles with the Capital One Venture Card. You will earn double miles on every purchase every day. Hawaii, here we come. So sign up today for a venture card at CapitalOne.com and start earning double! No! What's in your wallet? Can you play games on that? Not on the runway. Oh. Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. Did you get everything backed up? Took care of it. (laughs) For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com.
3: At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more.
1: I am a part of a place where I can be involved.
3: I'm a part of a place where everything is possible.
1: I'm part of a place where champions are made. At the University of Arkansas
0: at Pine Bluff, You can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal.
1: Low, 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 I think I hear something. All right, there we go. Technical difficulties. I tell you, man, I, I'm working on getting new studio equipment. And you can help me. <laughs> go to my page. You can go to zerolorenzo.tneil dot com and you can go to uh, pastorlorenzo.neil dot wix dot com slash pastor neil and you can make a donation to help this get me this stuff going. I, I need new mics, new mixer. <laughs> I cannot stand the fact that it goes in and out like this But anyway, i digress We're at the bottom of the show It is, I, I forgot, it's April Fool's Day And nobody's pranked me I feel good I haven't pranked anybody I feel good Maybe I feel good all over <laughs> No, but seriously uh, This weekend We know it's the The pinnacle Of the zenith of the ultimate, the penultimate celebration of Christianity, beginning on tomorrow with Monday, Thursday, Friday with Good Friday. Ain't nothing going on Saturday. I don't even know what they call Saturday. (laughs) And then, of course, Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday has always been something for me. I've always, I've liked Easter Sunday. When I was growing up, We grew up, and well, of course we grew up, but Easter was special because not only did we get the best, I mean, my grandmother had us looking sharp. I always looked good, but on Easter Sunday, we were sharp. I mean, you you knew the Jackson boys. You knew them Jackson boys. You knew uh, the Jackson and Neal boys because we were the best-dressed dudes in the church. Yeah, always. You know, she always had a splash of color you know, to our Easter suits. But anyway, we would have early sunrise service, and that wasn't nice. But we get up about 6 o'clock, have the service, and then, you know, it'd be a, at, at the church I went, We it was a collaboration of churches, so it was several churches together, and uh, the pre, the pastor at each church would preach, or there'd be one preacher preaching, but it'd be, you know, an elongated service, from about six thirty, six 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 thirty 6, in the morning to about 8.30, and then you have breakfast, and you go into Sunday school, and then you go into the next service at 11 o'clock, the regular service, and then you had another, you know, after you had Easter egg hunt, well, they gave us yeah, they gave us goodie bags. You know, they had the boiled eggs in there. They had all that good stuff. I might dye some eggs. I, eggs have nothing to do with Easter, but I might die some eggs. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Easter Sunday was always the highlight of the year because everybody had their best clothes, you know. You know you were going to get something new, a new suit, new, new clothes for Easter. But the other thing that became a trend that started to fascinate me regarding Easter, as I got older, I started seeing churches doing more and more elaborate celebrations. You know, when I was a kid, it was just a simple, you know, you recite your little poem. Jesus died on Easter on the heroes again. You know, you always forget. He rose again to see <laughs> Y'all, y'all know how the kids do it. But it got more and more elaborate, to the point now that some churches spend literally months rehearsing for their easter not just it's not a program it's a it's a production i mean they spend months on this easter production and then you have those churches that rent out entire convention centers or you know they they uh, one church is renting out a stadium to host their easter sunday service they're going to have three services and um i was like why why over the top you you do realize that you know that nobody saw jesus till after he got up right and then it wasn't a big toiree matter of fact (laughs) the ones who did recognize according to the gospel account one gospel account when they did see him they didn't recognize who he was so why do we have over the top celebrations in the Philippines? There's one. There's one group that literally reenacts the crucifixion, or well, not just reenact. As far as you know, you know, put makeup on. No, these dudes get nailed. They literally get nailed to a cross and hung. You know, they literally do this as a means of penance, as well as a a record. Uh, re- recreation of uh, what they have been taught about the gospel. uh, The gospel account of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. But, you know, these over-the-top spectacles lose the reality of the gospel. They lose the base of the gospel. The whole point of the resurrection is not for us to rent out the biggest event center in town so we can hold a service and say that look what we did look what we had this service that thousands of people came that is not what it's about it's not for us to put on the best production of an easter play it's not what it's about it's not what it's about matter of fact you know we're not doing one we did i allowed my my youth department, they did the play yes, last week for Palm Sunday. And I said, this is first Sunday's communion. It's always, already a long service. We don't need to add anything else. And, you know, so y'all do it on Palm Sunday. And it was fun. We had a nice we had a nice crowd on last Sunday. You know, I know we're going to have some parents upset because they're going to want to come and let their babies say their little speech that they learned. And I'm going to have to say no. I love you, but no. Should have been last week. <laughs> I know I'm a mean pastor. I am a mean pastor. I, I own up to it for this account. I, I'm not allowing the babies to say their Easter speeches. Ain't that mean? No, anyway. But we don't need to be over the top. Matter of fact, we need to minimalize everything about Easter. The whole point of resurrection should not be focused on us, but it should be focused on Christ. The suits are good. <laughs> some folks gonna go out their way with their, their colors, they gonna be crazy I already know some people, gonna some ladies they gonna have their hats It's gonna go out their way with their hats but it all again distracts away from the reality of the centrality of the message the message is that Christ died Jesus of Nazareth the one whom we have now come to know uh, come to call the Christ died he died as not as a martyr, he died the death of a bandit. He died the death of a criminal. He died at the hands of a an oppressive Roman government. The Jews didn't kill him. The Jews were just the Jews just put him in the place where Pontius Pilate could say, uh uh-uh, uh, we ain't gonna have it. And the Jews didn't murder him. He himself realized that for three and a half years, the ministry that he was doing was going against an oppressive government. The words that he spake was going against an oppressive religion, the religious system he spoke against. He said, I didn't come to fulfill the law. I mean, I didn't come to abolish law. I came to fulfill the law. But at the same time, those of you who are going to be righteous, your righteousness needs to exceed that of those who keep the law. He was murdered because of that. And I think we, we you know, in, we painted this pretty picture of the, of the resurrection. And we painted the pretty picture of Easter. And the biggest question I get all the time is, uh, well, why could Jesus do this? And Or or the other thing is, what about the other stories of Messiah figures who were killed? And yes, there are other Messiah figures in Jewish tradition who were killed by the hands of the Romans. Some who were killed by the hands of their own people, but reality is, uh, we have ascribed to Jesus of Nazareth this um, this atonement. You know whether it was fictional or whether it was uh, real is kind of irrelevant. You know you can present that argument that the and there are those who are presenting that argument that resurrection never happened. Well, okay, you can argue that. There are those who uh, who will say that it was a spiritual resurrection and not a physical resurrection. Well, you can argue that also. And there are those who will say that they just need to let religion go altogether. And yeah, they can argue that also. That's the, that's the wonder about being where we are, being able to have those abilities to do that, the, the freedoms, rights to do that. We're not a theocracy as some would like to have it to be. You know, they're, the, they're those who are trying to make America a theocracy. And we're not a theocracy. We wouldn't want to be a theocracy anyway. Even the Jews, the children of Israel, when they were a theocracy, when God was leading them, they didn't want to be it. They asked for a king. So what makes them think we're any better? Anyway, these over the top, these over the top uh, soirees, productions, services only serve the purpose of the local assembly to boast to say we did this we had so many people here which means that next year we got to do bigger and better and then the next year we got to do bigger and better and then the next year we got to do bigger and better till it takes away and even though they may be recreating the story they're not committing conveying the message and that's the problem i have you know The resurrection is about empowerment, it's about liberation. It's about this Jew who spoke against the injustices of his world, both religious and social and political, that led to his death, and that this Jew, that God raised this Jew from the dead. God used him to raise others from the dead, God himself raised this Jewish man from the dead and by believing, confessing we now have access to the righteousness have access to the inheritance have access to the relationship that we could not have if it were not for Jesus of Nazareth did on the cross if it were not for and, and, you know, there are arguments whether, you know, he actually feels scripture or, or prophecies and, because those things were ascribed to him retroactively, and that's that's just reality. You know, no, you know Jesus himself never said, I came to fulfill this, 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 but, you know, post-resurrection, all of these were saying, okay, this is, and P- Peter is the one who really set it off in Acts chapter 2 when he said, you know, goes into the story of, from the beginning of Ab- Adam, Abraham, all that, and then he said, Culminating in Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, even him is the Son of God, the Messiah. So, it is what it is. Look, I ran out of time. I've had a good time today. I, You know, I I think the show was good. I'd like to know what you think. But, um, <laughs> hey, uh, it's been a good show. And I hope that you enjoyed it. Remember, you can catch every archive show all the way back two thousand ten as long as we've been doing this show, uh simply by going to um Zero Network Today. Uh Zero Network on Facebook or uh Zero Today on Blog Talk Radio. That's blogtalkradio.com talk slash zero today, you catch up on archive shows. Also you can download podcasts with your iTunes on your iTunes and all that. So access but we love to hear you and we'll get back to you next week with another wonderful show as always we only do what we got what we're allowed to do in the time we're allowed to do it and always try to make the best of it so we do what we can thank you for listening thank you for tuning in we pre- we promise to keep you bringing for keep bringing you um shows that are enlightening shows that are empowering shows that are uh presenting you with season wisdom insight and liberation—that's what we want to do, and that's what we try to do every every chance we get. So we're looking for it. And if you have if you have ideas, you have content, you want to help create content. I, I you know, however you want to do it, we we need your help. We, you know, you can donate. And I told you, you simply go to uh, LorenzoTNeal dot com, and you can donate there. You can go to uh, uh, PastorLorenzoNeal dot Wix dot com slash Pastor Neil, and you can donate there to help this ministry and we'll have other ways to do it but those are the primary ways you can do that to help us if you have content show suggestions simply send me an email pastor lorenzo neal at gmail.com and uh hopefully we'll be back next week the lord wills um those who are in the arkansas area oklahoma surrounding areas uh, tennessee louisiana Make sure you get a chance to go up to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas and join Bishop Samuel Green and the 12th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church for that God First Convocation. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. It's always wonderful and some dynamic speach- speakers, preachers, and workshops. So You don't want to miss that. But this is how to get out of here. <laughs>